Hey, Sarah, is the president a fun guy? She would not get that, Bob. There's no way. That's a good one from you, though. She wouldn't get that. That one would actually work. There's no way. She'd talk about that for 20 minutes. Kill the whole press conference. All right, if uh, you have listened to me over the years or you know anything about what I've written in the Trib, you know this is a hot-button topic for me. No doubt it will come up again in the not-too-distant future. So consider this a primer for similar arguments soon. And I say no doubt because this topic comes up whenever the Pittsburgh Steelers struggle, and they are struggling right now. Based on what we've seen so far, 2018 is going to be a much tougher season than a lot of us expected, both on and off the field. Now, since Mike Tomlin took over for Bill Cowher before the 2007 season, I have railed against the, this never would have happened if Cowher was here, refrain. The debate invariably crops up from bitter Steelers fans after losses in the Tomlin era, particularly ones where discipline on the field is an issue. Nowadays, whenever a Steelers loss occurs, off-field discipline and behavior are often blamed for bleeding over into on-field performance or locker room chemistry. Frequently, emails, phone calls to talk shows like this, or tweets, are punctuated with the old standby of, This never would have happened if Cowher was here! Of course, that's a complete fallacy. Because it did happen when Cowher was here. A lot. Cowher stuck out his jaw, spat when he yelled, screamed at punters, rookies, and refs, so he was viewed as a tough disciplinarian. The issue is, though, that much like the guy who's currently in charge, that disciplinary attitude stopped at the rookies, the lower leverage guys, the punters, and the officials, just like the guy in charge now. Joey Porter got an unsportsmanlike penalty, Troy Palomalu got a late hit, Heinz Ward got a taunting flag, big deal. Josh Miller flubs a punt. Look out! Coach Carr's getting all fired up in that. Now you could say this is a case of distance making the heart grow fonder when it comes to memories of Cower. I say it's just a matter of age making our memories go soft. And as an example of what I mean, in the wake of Antonio Brown's trade demand tweet, I get this one sent to me from Matt, uh, Matthew. He says, This is because their head coach has no control. Hashtag bring back Cower. Now, independently, the complaint about Tomlin has validity, and it gains validation every single week. Sadly, sliding in the compower or the compower, the cower comparison, that to me kind of undercuts the argument, though. You know, you can't, and this is the problem that I have when people like go after Tomlin for not having control of the team. They constantly want to go back to Tomlin as the comparison point as to why Tomlin doesn't have any control. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. You can say quite easily, Mike Tomlin needs to have more control of his team without erroneously citing Bill Cowher as a point of comparison. And people should understand how inaccurate of an equivalence that is. Like, Consider these distractions. Off-field incidents. Examples of insubordination. Moments where discipline was absent from the Steelers under Cowher's watch. November 92, he's just taken over the team. Eric Green busted six games. 1994 AFC Championship game. They put together the rap video 
looking ahead to the Super Bowl than they get beat by the Chargers. Le'Veon Bell on Twitter. We'll see the Patriots again. I love rematches. See any parallels here? 1996, Bam Morris gets busted with 4,000 pounds of marijuana in his trunk. Okay, four kilograms, but 4,000 pounds of marijuana in his trunk. 2000, the stool swinging incident, the fight in the locker room with Richard Hundley and Earl Holmes. Plex was busted for not one, but two open container alcohol-related violations, one in Virginia Beach and one in Cleveland. He also skipped practice in a Mother's Day kind of protest. He did that twice, actually. He did it once in uh, New York, too, but once here under Bill Cowher. What am I forgetting about? Oh, Joey Porter trying to start a fight with Ray Lewis on the team bus in Baltimore. Marvell Smith got busted two days before training camp. Sorry, two weeks before training camp started for marijuana. Heinz Ward held out of training camp in 2005. And that was a legitimate holdout. He had a contract. So this stuff is not 100% unique to Mike Tomlin in the city of Pittsburgh. Now, is it worse under Tomlin? Has it affected the Steelers more under Tomlin? Yes, it appears so. Can we complain about Tomlin not having a good enough grasp on his team? Yes, we should. Should we use Cower as the point of comparison? No. And of course, you want to do that because he was the most recent piece of low-hanging fruit that we can grasp. We could go back even further to Noel if you want. Mel Blunt held out. Jack Lambert held out. Ernie Holmes shot at a police helicopter. So it's not like this is unique to Tomlin. It might be more pervasive than it was before, but it's not like if Cower came back, everything would be hunky-dory. And let's not misremember what actually happened in the Cower era because you're mad at Tomlin. 412-333-9939. Brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Let's go to Patience in Green Tree. Patience, you're on 105.9 The X. Oops, let me try that again. My bad, Patience. Go ahead. Hey, uh, actually, you're you're right about the uh, off-the-field stuff with Cowher. I remember all those times. But I also remember Cowher getting in the players' faces. Other than the punter, Greg Lloyd, the fiercest linebacker of all time, um, Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna, come on, patience! You're not going to give me the rush the quarterback thing. That wasn't yelling at him. That was what a about, mo- that was okay. a motivational coach thing. Go get the quarterback, Greg. That's- what about, I, I got you. What about Ike Taylor? He benched him at halftime of the one game because of um, he wasn't doing good. Like it seems like Tomlin doesn't have in-game adjustments. Actually, Damian Woodley last night on um, Stephen A. Was it Stephen A. Smith or Colin Coward said for a defense, defensive-minded coach such as. Um, Tomlin coming up under Dungy, he doesn't make in-game adjustments at halftime against Gronkowski Oh, that's, that's fair. No, that's a fair criticism of Mike Tomlin. I would also say okay. that it was a criticism that was used to Bill Cowher. They never adjust out of the 3-4. Look, against Tom yeah. Brady, all they did was they kept rushing from the outside and Brady kept stepping up in the pocket. They never adjust. Like, again, yeah. you, you make a valid complaint about Tomlin to try to offset it by Cowher is where the error comes in. Thank you for the call. But, you know, the other thing I'll bring up about Ike you brought up Ike as an example. When Ike got benched, Ike was, what was that, 2005? So Ike was like a second-year starter at most? Like, he's not that different than Artie Burns. You know, it's, 
he got roasted by Marvin Harrison. I think that was his first year. He was a young guy. He wasn't a veteran. So it's not all that dissimilar from Cower, or excuse me, Tomlin benching Cam Sutton the other day. So every comparison we try to make between Cower and Tomlin, they're more alike than they are different. 412-333-9939. We'll take more of your calls. And if you missed the explanation from Mike Tomlin today about social media policy and the Pittsburgh Steelers, we'll have that for you next here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Finishing his checks, causing a constant commotion. Hey, Mr. Brandon, how you doing? Sometimes I'm so damn dumb, I wouldn't take a phone call from me. The X at 105.9. Here's an interesting tweet from Mike Taylor. Former Steelers cornerback. I guess he tweeted about Lev Bell, in essence saying that the Steelers should just pay Lev Bell and get him in there. And some guy tweeted back to him, Ike, love you, man, but the league deadline has passed. The Rooneys can't pay Bell a cent more until the tag is lifted this offseason. Ike tweeted back, rules can be adjusted. Ain't buying that one. (laughs) I don't know about rules adjusting. I guess they can be for Antonio Brown. But you can't adjust the salary cap for the CBA in September. <laughs> you have to buy that one, Ike. I'm sorry. You know, I think the one thing they can do is rescind the tag and then pay him more than the tag for one year, but they can't give him a full contract at this point. Rules can be adjusted. Ain't buying that one. Your Honor, we all know here at sentencing, rules can be adjusted. <laughs> no, they can't. 412-333-9939. Going back to the phones here uh, as we talk about the Antonio Brown situation. Should the Steelers suspend him for skipping out on team meetings? I won't say practice, team meetings. Last time I checked, they put a poll up right before the show. We had like 700 votes already, and 60% of you said yes. Mike Tomlin was asked about a social media policy and whether or not the Steelers... Um, what their policy is or what his thinking is about all these social media mishaps that the Steelers have had in recent months, years even. And here was Tomlin's response. I'm not going to openly talk about a lot of things that occur in social media. You could be chasing that always. I will say this. Um, it's important um, that, that we understand our position, uh, the light that shined on us and the responsibility that comes with it. Uh, There's been a couple of instances now uh, where you've asked me about Antonio regarding some social media-like things. I'll address that and address that very directly with him, but I'll leave that between he and I. I'm not going to utilize this form form to address such things. I just don't believe it's appropriate. I I think that this form is a very professional one. Uh, we got a lot of football things to talk about. You know, performance, personnel, opportunities, challenges that the game of football presents. I always want to take that road when I'm standing in front of this podium representing this league. Um, that's just how I choose to, to approach it. Okay, but he doesn't have that luxury anymore because the professionalism he wants to convey at that podium representing that team in that league has been broken by players on his team on that team in that league. You know, he, he, how does he... He doesn't have the ability anymore because this social media issue with the Steelers has gotten so prominent, so pervasive, he can't just dismiss it with, it's not important. When the all-pro receiver goes on social media and says, trade me, when the all-pro running back starts tweeting about the AFC Championship game before you play the Jaguars, when you know the receiver 
has a social media meltdown on Instagram that makes people wonder if he's having some sort of emotional conniption. It's too big of a deal then at that point. You violated the level of professionalism that you're trying to convey. He threatened a reporter. Like, you want to talk about professionalism, from a professional standpoint, Twitter should have suspended Antonio Brown. Twitter should have. Legally, law enforcement should have done something about it. That was a threat. That's where professionalism comes into play. You don't have the right anymore, coach, to draw that thick line. 412-333-9939. Up next, Bill calling from the car. Hi, Bill. You're on 105.9 The X. Hello? Yeah, Bill, you're on. Hey, um, I, when I got into the car, I just caught the tail end of your uh, response to someone who had either tweeted or written about the comparison. You know, yeah, it's a tweet Tomlin from someone, has yes. no discipline, bring in Cower. Right. And and all of the points that you made with Plex and Bam Morris, and all those things are legitimate, but you undercut your own argument the same way his fan did by bringing in Heinz Ward's contract holdout. Those are not discipline issues. Those are purely contract issues. Well, what do you think Le'Veon yeah, Bell is? It's kind of an odd no, 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 comparison. No, 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 that The comparison that I made with Hines had to do with Le'Veon Bell's situation. Okay, well, maybe I missed that because I was just getting into the car. But I, well, I what, what have you missed? What, what, of... you, haven't, you haven't missed Bell's whole holdout, have you? Oh, no, 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 no. But again, that's that's not I mean, this suggest Well, people make it out to be. Issue. I appreciate the call, but people make it out to be. People connect the dots. Oh, Cower were here. Bell would be here. That Tomlin doesn't have any. He can't reach the players. He can't get the. He enables this. Okay, well, he enables it. Well, then I guess Cower enabled it with Heinz Ward, too, then. Taylor from Columbus. Go ahead, Taylor. You're on 105.9 The X. What's up, Tim? How are you, Taylor? Good. Hey, I'm not saying that any of the other coaches haven't had discipline problems, but I mean, Tomlin was asked today about the punter, and he gets all worked up over that. Yeah, There's another Cower comparison right there. Rome is fiddling. Rome is burning while Tomlin fiddles, basically, is what we have here. Or Rome is fiddling and Pittsburgh is burning, one or the other. But, yes, I follow you. I catch your drift. And I kind of wrote something similar today in the Trib. Uh, that's exactly what's taking place, except the guy I was referencing was Le'Veon Bell on his jet ski. He's not fiddling. He's jet skiing around the harbor or something. I think that was the place. Did that look familiar to you, that shot? That looked like the place where Dexter kept his boat before he used to dump the bodies in the garbage bag. 412-333-9939. Up next, Stan Saverin joins us from AT&T Sportsnet, as well as the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network. He does the postgame show with Charlie Batch and, of course, ESPN Pittsburgh upstairs. Stan is next here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. The cream comes to the top. I feel like I'm just bubbling over. You wear pants while you're on the air? Because I wouldn't. Who told you? The X at 105.9. Okay, two more for the this never would have happened if Cower were here crowd. Santonio Holmes arrested twice between when he got drafted and minicamp. And then there was that press conference where Cower pounded the table and said, this won't happen again. After the Steelers were leading the world in post-whistle penalties, and then they got two in the first quarter of the next game. I remember that one pretty distinctly as well. Maybe my guest at this time does as well. It's Stan Saverin from ESPN Pittsburgh and AT&T Sportsnet. Tim Benson from Mark Madden brought to you by Shenderovich. 
Shenderovich and Fishman. They got your back, not your wallet. Hi, Stan. How are you? Hey, Tim. How you doing? You have gotten, I'm sure, your fair share of phone calls, tweets, text messages. I know you read Facebook posts a lot on your show. I'm sure a lot of them have said this never would be happening if Cower were here, right? Yeah, that's that's been going on for years, and um, uh, I just remind them that I'm a lot closer to the situation than they are. Doesn't mean I'm always right, but uh, I was a lot closer, and I've said it before. And I had Charlie Batch agree with me, who played for both. And I've always believed that Bill Cower was much more a player's coach than Tomlin is. Um, I've seen it. Uh, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not a team member, and I don't want to, uh, you know, portray that falsely. Um, but I've seen the interactions, and I've talked to players, and Charlie agreed with me. Um, and again, you know, define player's coach. Uh, again, uh, I think when you look at Tomlin, uh, what's happening with AB, uh, I mean, I believe in blaming the player. I mean, it's the player who's acting like this. Um, and I guess you would blame a kid if he was acting, but uh, how much was he allowed to get away with? Nave coddled Antonio Brown because of his stature uh, for all this time and because of his status. And um, it's like, you know, give me an inch, I'll take a mile, just seeing how much more he can get away with. Uh, and when you only get a slap on the wrist, then you're tempted, if you're of that mindset, to try just a little bit more. And he's he's doing it again. But I still have to blame. He's a 30-year-old man. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to blame a lack of discipline um, or what he does on the fact that he's been allowed to do it. Uh, but I, again, I look back to not, not shouldn't be a defense of Tomlin because I think that he is to a degree complicit in this. Uh, but he did suspend um, Santonio Holmes, as you just mentioned. And I just got a tweet. Well, Santonio, in case you've forgotten, Santonio Holmes was a very important guy on that team, and he suspended the week before a game against the New York Giants, which was a huge game that particular year. Um, he suspended, um, you know, his top running back. Uh, he suspended Mark Davis. He cut Garrett Blunt. Uh, he cut Harrison. Uh, he probably went too far with that. He didn't do it soon enough. But, you know, when need be, uh, I think he has disciplined people. I know that the impression is that it's a band of renegades in there. I don't think it's quite that bad. Uh, but I do think, I don't know, Tim, for whatever reason, what A.B. did on Sunday and then compounding it by not showing up for the meetings yesterday, which was merely an act of petulance. That's all that was, a spoiled child throwing a tantrum. That flipped my switch. And I remember one of these guys with an agenda. You know, I find a guy that I don't like, and no matter what he does, I'm going to find fault with it. Um, but I, I, that crossed the line for me on Sunday with him. And, yes, I know they need a victory, but I don't think discipline can be a matter of convenience. When it needs to be meted out, uh, the circumstances have to be pushed aside, and I do think he should be suspended for this game. Yeah, I'm with you. That's what I said as well. Um, based on the poll that I'm running right now, Stan, 60% of respondents agree with us, and I'm wondering what you thought about the Drew, Drew Rosenhaus <clears throat> uh, explanation as to why A.B. was not with the team yesterday. You don't buy that for a second, do you? No, um, and even if he did, I mean, it, you were at the press conference, as was I. Um, it is very clear that Tomlin did not know um, and was not given the reason why. And even if he was, it wasn't a good enough reason for him to miss the meeting. I mean, Tomlin is a pretty smart guy. He's uh, astute, and he knows exactly why A.B. wasn't there to further show his displeasure over whatever it was that upset him on Sunday. That's all that was about. And if it really was that 
pressing a, a personal matter, well, then why in the world does he come in on a player's day off, meaning today, to meet with the coach if it's not disciplinary in nature? Stan, I go so far as to guess that Tomlin hadn't, or for that matter, Colbert, anybody else in the organization, hadn't even heard from Rosenhaus until that point. And maybe Rosenhaus didn't do anything about reaching out to Adam Schefter until Tomlin's press conference was over. I wouldn't be surprised to find that out. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm certainly not going to put my faith and trust in Drew Rosenhaus um, or, or any agent who may or may not have an agenda. Um, clearly, if there was a personal issue, um, there's, there's no reason for Drew Rosenhaus to be the one to convey the message. You mean to tell me that Antonio Brown doesn't have Mike Tomlin's phone number on speed dial? Right, exactly. I mean, if this is... The other thing is, like, what he's calling a personal matter. You know, if that's a death of a parent, if that is a injury to a child, an illness for a mother, something to a wife, something to that degree, okay. But, you know, what A.B. might consider a personal matter of extreme importance is some of this baby mama drama that he was posting on Instagram about back in May or was tweeting about not too terribly long ago either. So given all that, like, that doesn't count. And A.B. seems to think stuff like that counts for him because of, well, I'll use his term, exceptionalism. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, uh, and I honestly think, although Tom likes to keep these matters internal, uh, I honestly think that if, for example, God forbid, um, a relative of A.B.'s and there was an issue with his child, then he would have said so. Um, or he would have said today, um, he, uh, he didn't come to uh, the meeting yesterday because of a personal matter. He did not say that. What's strange to me is, Stan, at this point, why he thinks this social media stuff is so different than football when it has started to involve football. Like when the star receiver says, trade me, when one receiver says to another receiver like Martavis did to Juju, I'm better than he is. Uh, you know, at one point, not too terribly long ago, I can't remember the exact circumstances of it now. Oh, I guess it was draft day when Juju was taken and Martavis was going back and forth with somebody about Juju taking Martavis's job. Uh, he stepped in and said, okay, kids, that's enough. Remember that on draft day? Yes, he did. Yeah, and I can't remember, I'm sorry, I can't remember the specifics. That just popped in my mind. But it's like back then he knew it was something. It's gotten worse, and now he's pretending it's nothing. I don't think he has the luxury to do that anymore. Well, maybe not. I know that they want to institute rules. You're not allowed to do that. But you know what? Um, there are no more Vince Lombardis. It doesn't work today. Um, I, I would imagine that even Bill Belichick, uh, if he tried to say no one's allowed to tweet anything during the season, even he would get blowback, not to mention the players' union. Can you imagine what the players' union would say? Well, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I was thinking about that, and that's something I'm going to write about tomorrow for the trip stand, and that has to do with Ben Roethlisberger, Marquise Pouncey, Cam Hayward, the perceived leaders in that locker room. If this is something that bothers them, and I get to a certain point that it is bothering some of these guys, then why don't they, as leaders of the team, go to the rest of the team and say, we're implementing a policy. In this locker room now, unless you're tweeting pictures of kitty cats and puppies and what you're doing for your charity fundraiser, no social media interaction because we just can't handle it as a team. Well, I'm going to go a step further. I have always believed that there is an issue with internal leadership on this team. Um, uh, and, and I don't think it's a, it's a roiling you know, uh, pot of goo in there. That's not what I'm suggesting. Uh, but I also think that 
uh, th- there needs to be some veteran leadership. A coach can only go so far, and this is not to get Tomlin off the hook uh, or those who think I'm a Tomlin apologist. I think this is true of any team. I think it's true of every team. A coach, a manager can only go so far. There is an inner sanctum that only players can penetrate. Even if they really love the coach, they like the guy, I guarantee you, as popular as Mike Sullivan is in the Penguin locker room, the, it's still the players are insular in that regard. And what the coach has got to do is find certain players to deliver his message to the rest of the team. And I think that's where team leadership comes in. I go back to something Charlie Betts said after the Cleveland game when we did the postgame show. Um, and he said, we were talking about, I, I brought up leadership in the locker room. And it's, you know, it's too easy to say, although it may be accurate, that if Joe Green were still roaming the earth, <laughs> this would not be an issue. Although Joe, um, you know, uh, had Chuck Knoll as a coach and, and there's no social media. But I mean, even go, going back to 15 years ago, you know, the guy, you had the, the Farriers and the Bettises and the Kiesels and the Aaron Smiths and, you know, got, you know, there was strong internal leadership. I'm not so sure that's the case here. So my point is, before instituting any kind of a social media ban for the good of the team, I think that a player is more likely to heed the advice of a teammate, an equal, than he is even the head coach. I believe that. You know, as far as the other tweet, I I, I don't think, I, I think we're overreacting to the tweet. I don't think Antonio Brown was wanting to be traded. I think what he was saying is that his excellence was being challenged by our former PR guy, our friend Ryan, um, and what he what A.B. was saying with that tweet was um, I have a lot of skills, I'm a great player, and I put up numbers anywhere. I don't, he was just saying, if you put me on another team, I would show you, but he wasn't saying I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, I want out. I think that that's a wrong interpretation, it's a misinterpretation of what that particular tweet meant. I do, however, think that the tantrum on the sidelines not the first time, um, but but the compounding with this business about not showing up for the meeting. Uh, you can talk all you want about personal matters, uh, but I, I think it was just a, uh, a stubborn tantrum by not showing up. Hey, Stan, do you think that maybe someday, I don't know, like Steve Pavino could tweet that Yarmir Yager was nothing but a product <laughs> of Mario Lemieux or... Like, if Twitter was around back in the day, Ron Wall could have said that Heinz was nothing but a product of Tommy Maddox or something fun like that. Like, where was Twitter 15 years ago when we had a slow news day, right? Yeah, when you really needed it. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, oh, I know. by the way, Stan, I found it. Uh, Mar- it was Martavis Bryant, after Juju was drafted, someone tweeted at him, they just drafted your replacement, and he tweeted out, that's Sammy Coates' replacement, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> Take it how you want, I'm back. Yeah, I no, I remember that. I wouldn't remember the particulars. Um, well, he was right, uh, you know. But yeah, he looked, the guy ended up being right. Yeah, Juju replaced both of them. <laughs> actually, when you stop and stop and think about it again, the tweet about Trevi, I don't think I really don't think that's what he meant. Uh, but I do think that you know, given his nature, given his. Uh, personality. Uh, I do think that not showing up yesterday was just a matter of uh, a giant middle finger up in the air. Well, Stan, uh, before we get too much further, I do want to thank you for carving out some time and calling us today from your jet ski on the Mon, like Le'Veon Bell, from what <laughs> I understand. Is that correct? <laughs> better, I, better I should drown than him. <laughs> well, better you should do it there than the strip club. Yeah, exactly. Anytime. <clears throat> Anytime he invites me, I'll go. <laughs> Stan Saver joining us from AT&T Sportsnet and ESPN Pittsburgh. You can also uh, check him out uh, on the postgame show with Charlie Batch.
Uh, what do you think about Le'Veon? Is this sort of just like rubbing everybody's nose at it, Stan? Or what was the point of I get Well, that one wasn't on him, was it? That was more on footage being captured and put on TMZ. But he's living life, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know what? I, I honestly think that uh, maybe it's because, you know, the A-B situation and how poorly the team is doing has taken center stage. But to me, at this point, Le'Veon Bell's an afterthought. I mean, it's still there. Um, it's like you know there's a fly loose somewhere in your house, but at the moment it's in another room and it's really not bothering you. Um, I, I really think at this point, and again, maybe it's because of all the other things that are going on, I really think that he's kind of an afterthought at this point. You know, whatever will be, will be. I, I buy that to a degree, Stan, but can I give you two examples where I do think the Steelers have been pinched by his absence? Uh, the first of which I would say is in the Cleveland game, because he doesn't fumble, maybe, you know, he doesn't fumble whereas James Conner did. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's one. And the other one that I'd say is, do you think when the score got even at halftime, when they tied it up going to the locker room, that if Le'Veon Bell is there, they stay away from the run as much as they do if Bell is there instead of Conner in the second half? I mean, it's entirely possible. Look, no one is discounting the value of Le'Veon Bell, and no one should or would or should discount um, that Le'Veon Bell's a better player than James Conner. No slight to James Conner, but come on, let's be realistic. <clears throat> and, and one of the things, I've, I've always believed this, that goes unnoticed about Le'Veon Bell, uh, aside from his stats and just watching him, and you know how brilliant a performer he is, he virtually almost never fumbles. If you look over his career, his fumble per carry, or I should say fumble per touch ratio, is fantastic. So it's entirely possible. Um, and I'm not discounting that they're a better team with him. Having said that, to me, even with James Conner, fumble or no fumble, it's still 21-14 with whatever it was, four minutes to go, 21-7 with seven minutes to go. Yes, the fumble turned the game around. Maybe the Steelers score more touchdowns with Bell there than they did. Um, you know, uh, would have had 28 points. Uh, but still, I, I, I don't think he makes a, a real difference on Sunday unless he can play linebacker, which he might be able to play. Um, again, they're better with him, no question about that. But I can't definitively sit here and say, oh, if Le'Veon Bell were only here, their record would be the exact opposite. Finally, Stan, have you read the new uh, Stormy Daniels book, and what do you think about Ben Roethlisberger's involvement? And what do you think about mushrooms? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, no to all of that. I, I, I haven't um, read that. Uh, do, you like my, do you like my idea that the media corps at the White House should go to the next Sarah Huckabee Sanders press conference and pull a Bill Belichick Wes Welker thing and just like start asking nothing but questions about mushrooms, like coded mushroom messages, like Wes Welker did about feet with Rex Ryan. Yeah, I mean that you know that's or feet. Uh, if you you want to ask him Rex about that, um, I go back to Tunch's quote and what Chuck Knoll used to say uh, when dealing with the media. He said treat them like mushrooms. Um, there you them, go. Feed them nothing but manure and keep them in the dark. Okay, this could take me in a very dangerous direction, so I'm going to hang up now. Stan, thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the time on the jet ski, and we will talk soon, okay? All right, Tim. Thanks a lot. That is Stan Saverin from AT&T Sportsnet. You can also listen to him on the postgame show with Charlie Batch, and you can hear him on ESPN Pittsburgh Daily, noon until 2. Oh, major entertainment news has broken today. We haven't talked about this yet. If you've missed it, this affects Everybody who grew up watching television at any point in their lives. You kids today, you don't watch television. The rest of us used to. 
Major news coming up before the top of the hour. Bob and I have that for you next on 105.9 The X. Super genius, Mark Madden. How you doing today, honey? Really good, sweetheart. Borderline violent, very noisy. Absolutely beautiful. The X at 105.9. Well, we have major news. A long-rumored story about the entertainment world apparently has turned out to be true. Tim Benz with you. Bob McLaughlin joins me right now. Courtesy of 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Bob, according to a writer on Sesame Street, the long-discussed gay relationship between Bert and Ernie apparently is true. It's not rumor. They were actually a gay couple. Your reaction? Uh, I have no reaction other than the response by the children's television worship. Wor- the workshop. Mil- Woodshop, right. No, not Woodshop. <laughs> not Woodshop. Workshop. The, of course, the military arm of Sesame well, Street. Well, Sesame Workshop now is no longer children's television workshop. They, oh, really? Just, been, well, that's what I'm looking at it's here. It's a conglomerate. I guess. So they said... Sesame Workshop is what it's called now. So they give this long official response I have it to for that. you. Do you want me to read it? Uh, just the last line. <laughs> As we have always said, Bert and Ernie are best friends. They were created to teach preschool kids that people can be good friends with those who are very different from themselves. Even though they are identified as male characters and possess many human traits as characteristics, as most Sesame Street Muppets do, <laughs> they remain puppets... And do not have sexual orientation. No, I believe it says Muppets. No, I said Muppets the first time. Oh, okay. That's what I said. In parentheses, as most Sesame Street Muppets, trademark, do, <laughs> they remain puppets and they do not have sexual orientation. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it. I, they do have sexual orientation. They're both male because they have girls and they talk to the the girl puppets for being girls and they have girl names. Do and they, they not? Exactly. And Bert and Ernie are boy names. Right. And I can think, you know, back to my day with Sesame Street and then through my kids' days with Sesame Street, I, I can think of times where I think that they were a little interested. Like they liked that person or something like that. You know, they have to deal with all these different circumstances of life. Like, I'm sorry. Are I, you telling me they've never, with all of Sesame Street in that part of the neighborhood? Right. <laughs> that they've never had one instance of that? You know, you can't feel the felt moving in your pocket a little right. bit? <laughs> when you see Maria go walking down the street to hang out with Big Bird for a while? or Are you telling talk me talk to Oscar Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gordon's going to throw out the trash. Right. He gets to an argument with Roscoe the Grouch. Yeah, snuffle Bert up and against looking at each other. Those big eyelashes. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm not. I'm waiting for the statement on snuffle up. I guess I have no idea. Oh, he's by. Is the, it a he? Yeah, there's or what? He's he's not what they call Omni Pan Pan. That's what the robot was in Star Wars. It was Pan. Remember? Right. I just have no clue. I'm no, Lando even, was Pan because okay. he had sex with the robots and men and women. He I'm was not Pan. even going to venture to guess anything about snuffle up. I guess. Oh, I'll venture a guess about Snuffleupagus because they. One you know, of these kids is doing his own thing. <laughs> you know what they say about those with long snouts. <laughs> so why the separate beds then? Like you can't be post woke. Well, because of the I'm time, sorry. Because of the time that the show started, and then they they had the set, and you know, and you know, Elmo, that guy was getting all the money. That's why they bounced him out of there, so they couldn't just keep building new sets to keep up with the times. Oh, I see. I mean, Oscar's this, still got the same can. This is trying to be post-woke, is what this is. <laughs> right. Like Upon further review, we're saying they're gay because they were good friends. Right. 
So maybe they'll handle that next week. I'm just looking forward now with this statement here from the Sesame Workshop. They remain puppets and they do not have sexual orientation. The next time I go into a new bar or restaurant in the woke society in which we live, we'll have three bathrooms. Well, Man, woman, Muppet. Or trademark. <laughs> You know, the other thing Muppet. is, do you remember when the internet first came out? One of the first truly great Sadly, characters. Sadly, I do, yes. One of the first truly great characters of the internet was Evil Burt. Yeah, Evil Burt was big. Are you telling me that all those pictures with the ball gag and the leather, <laughs> that's... <laughs> There's nothing behind that. I, I also like about this statement that they were very different. How different were Bert and Ernie, really? Well, what do they say? Like different in terms of like their attitude, like their their right, personality. They were the odd couple. That's oh, because they were the odd couple. One was serious and straight. The other was just a goofball. Not straight. All it's well, <laughs> straight laced. Conventional. Thank you for <laughs> like to me, like the biggest difference is what? One was short and fat. The other was tall and skinny. One was orange. One was yellow. Orange and yellow aren't all that different. For somebody colorblind, like Bob, I am really colorblind. So they are legitimately colorblind in my world. It truly is. I don't see color and I don't see gay Muppets. But let's leave it at that. Good for you, Tim. It's because I'm woke. When we come back in 30 seconds, suspend AB, trade AB. We talk about both potential outcomes for Antonio Brown when we come back. Tim Benson for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X.